as we continue with uh, this cross-reference series, as we're looking at themes that are both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, how they, they cross-reference one another and emphasize truths and themes which are important to us. Today is the, the final part of this uh, series, and uh, we are looking at a theme that occupies the minds of people from creation until today. It's a theme which occupies the minds of people. I'm talking about eternity, the desire of humans to, to live longer, live forever. In, in fact, the living forever is the, is the catchphrase. You know the song, I'm going to live forever, and, and everybody wants to live longer, fuller. Everybody's looking for significance in their lives. And the fact is, when God created humankind, when God created man, he meant for man to live forever with him. God's intention was for us to live with him forever. Sin brought death to humanity. I mean, if you look back in Genesis, some of those boys and girls, they lived a long time, like hundreds of years. But then the life began to get shortened and shortened. There are reasons for that. But sin was the main cause of the shortening of human life. But we continue desiring to have this longer, longer life. We don't stop, do we? Now, you heard my wife's introduction. And by the way, you know, some of you may think that sometimes we, we kind of get together and plan that the introduction, the worship, and the message all line up. We don't. I prepare my sermon, she prepares the introduction, Tiny prepares the worship program, and then we get here, and very often, they all match up. And today, that's it. What my wife said this morning, she gave the synopsis of my message. The worship and Tanya's prayer gave the practical application and the worship unto God. So if you, if you think you've got enough, goodbye. <laughs> But if you want a bit more biblical foundation for everything that you've heard so far, hang around because we're going to dive into the word and get some more understanding about this. And so today in part four, the message is called time and eternity, time and eternity. We live within time, but God speaks about eternity, a timeless existence which lies ahead of us. In heaven right now, there is no clock. There's no clocks in heaven. Because heaven is an eternal present. Whereas on earth, we live by the clock. We live by the gyrations of the earth and rotations around planets and things like that. We live by the clock. And yet, people are concerned about eternity, about the future, about longevity. Why is that? We're going to dive right in. And it's because of what the Bible says. You know why people want to live forever. You know why people want to know about the future. You know why people want to have significance in life. It's because God put eternity in our hearts. This desire we have is because of what God has done in us. Open with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 in your devices or Bible, whatever you're using. Ecclesiastes 3 11. And like my wife said, we, we, we had you know, I don't know, it's not a privilege, but it, it is unfortunate situations. But suddenly we, you know, had two funerals. Those of you who knew maybe Sister Kalado, she was a member here many years ago. And, and even after she left the church, every time we spoke, she said, Pastor, when I die, you must make my funeral. And every time we spoke on the phone, we met with each other. Uh, she would often call me to inquire about things of the Bible and so forth. And she would end the conversation, Pastor, when I die, you're going to do my funeral. And she passed away last weekend, and on Friday, they had the funeral, according to her wishes. 
The other brother was Brother Nello, Fatima Silva's husband. He passed away suddenly on Tuesday. We thought he was going to kind of fade away, but he didn't. He just suddenly died. And on Saturday, yesterday, was his uh, funeral. And, and it is sad. It's, it's sudden things, and it's sad to say goodbye. And yet, I was using this script. And it, it's ironic because I was preparing this message this week, and, and this message had been set up already weeks ago. It wasn't a last-minute thought. And yet, this week, I'm having to face the reality of time and eternity. Having to talk to families and discuss with them the reality of time and eternity. Speak at funerals and remind people of the reality of time and eternity. It is a time to be born and a time to die. And this verse, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says the following. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. So God has made everything for a purpose. It's beautiful in its time. Now check this. He has also set eternity in the human heart. God has set eternity in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what has done from beginning to end. Did you hear that? Now, remember in Genesis, God said he made man according to his image and likeness. According to his image and likeness. And God is an eternal God. And if he made us to be like him, and if he made us to exist and live with him, then it stands to reason that he created us to live with him for eternity. And so he has placed eternity in our hearts. However, it says very clearly that man, no human being, can fathom, can understand, can grasp what God has done from beginning to end. Because we live in a physical world, because we live within the constraints of time and the material world, something like timelessness doesn't make sense to us. Have you ever wished that your day had more hours? Where am I the only guy? But then, have you ever been involved, so caught up in something, that the hours go by and you don't feel it? It feels like you've spent a few minutes, you look again, wow, hours have gone by. Other times, you think hours have gone by and only minutes have gone by. And so, we have this weird sense that almost seems like time is flexible. But because we live within that, we have these ideas and these aspirations and these thoughts about eternity. You know, we, we, we sing about it, you know, in songs and not just Christian songs, secular songs. Okay? We, we talk about it. Listen, we do research about it. Longevity is a matter of scientific research. They're looking for ways of getting humans to live longer. These days, they are right down to the DNA cell structure, trying to find out how can they reverse aging. And some scientists think that they are getting quite close to it, where very soon you can reverse aging. So only this is going to take a pull, and my white beard is going to go away. I'm going to look young again. <laughs> but that's the craving of humanity. 
We are looking for ways to reverse aging. We want to live longer and longer. And as it is, because of medical advances, humanity's average age has increased. Insurance companies are, are, are making plans already because they reckon the next generation is going to go easy, 110, 120. And you can't retire at 60 and live to be 120. Very bad for business. And so they're already making adjustments to, so they can cater for the longer, longer life. It's in us. Why are we doing this? Because God put it in your heart. We all wonder sometimes. What is life? We, we, we wonder about significance. Is what I'm doing with my life. Does it really matter for anybody? You see, so we sit with this dilemma now because although eternity is in our hearts, our minds cannot comprehend the truth of this, of, this, of this thing. And so we go about our lives without fully understanding the purpose or significance of our lives. We ponder about our earthly existence and in doing so we look for significance. Others just don't care. I'm going to live, I'm going to die. So who cares? I'm going to live for now. And many end up messing up their lives, wasting their lives, because they ignore that pull for eternity. If I can't understand it, if I can't measure it, it doesn't exist, I'm not going to care about it. And so they go on a downward spiral. Well, the preacher, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who wrote the Ecclesiastes, is called the preacher in that book. So he paints a picture of the various contrasts in our lives. And we're going to read it. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Back in the 60s, this passage was put into a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with that. If you're familiar, don't put your hand up because it's going to give your age away. But uh, it, it, it is still played today. I still enjoy listening to that song. Very good song. And it's based on this passage. Only the two last words, I think, in the song was added because we're making a call out for world peace. But this is what it says. To everything, there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And then what follows is a series of contrasts. And I want you to listen carefully and pay attention. How many of these have you experienced in your life? How many of these contrasts have you experienced in your life? And also ponder as, as I read this. If this isn't a picture of human life. It starts right in the beginning. He, he lays it straight. A time to be born and a time to die. All of us sitting here today, those of you uh, joining us online, those of you listening, we all know what was our time to be born. We like to celebrate it once a year and get presents in, in, uh, as a reward for living so long. And there's a time to be born and there's a dash and we are waiting for somebody to fill in the other side of that dash. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. And when it says a time to kill, don't just think of killing people. Sometimes we have to kill other things in our lives. Things that are eating our life away. Sometimes we have to kill destructive habits. Sometimes we have to kill destructive thoughts. Sometimes we have to kill toxic relationships. And a time to heal. <laughs> a time to break down. And a time to build up. A time to weep. And a time to laugh. 
this little pause of yeah during the funeral, I was mentioning this that you know when you, when you die in the Lord for your family, it's a time to weep, but for you, it's a time to laugh because you're in God's presence, you're rejoicing. There's a, a, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Again, when somebody dies, the family mourns. But the person who's gone to heaven, dancing. Maybe that person on earth was, was, was sick and incapacitated. All of a sudden, he finds himself in heaven and, and he's healthy again and he's dancing. But the family is mourning. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. But even on this earth, isn't it? Sometimes we dance. And sometimes we mourn. Sometimes we weep. And sometimes we laugh. There's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Like when there is a worldwide pandemic going on, you refrain from embracing. But it's for a season. Thank God that season is over. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. And I wish most of us, more of us, would understand that one, myself included. Because so often we speak when we should shut up. And we shut up when we should speak. Come on. We could get in deeper into this passage. I'm not going to. I'm just reading it for you, okay? A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. And as you look throughout humanity's history, you find this. As seasons go by, there is peace and then there is war and there is love. There is hate. You build. You destroy. This is a, a snapshot of our humanity. And we are occupied with this. Because we don't quite understand what God has done from beginning to end. And we can't quite connect with eternity which is in our hearts. After verse 8 comes a pertinent question. Last Monday was Labor Day. And this question applies. Verses 9 and 10. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. Don't you ask that question sometimes? You work hard and sometimes say, what on earth am I doing all this for? And sometimes it's easy to answer the question. Oh, it puts food on my table. It buys me a better home, a better car, a better this, better friends, whatever. But sometimes it says, man, I'm getting tired of this. What is this all about? Is this life over and over and over and over again? And so... Here comes then, then after this comes the statement of our message. He has also said eternity in the human heart. And then in verses 12 to 15, he makes some observations which, which link time and eternity. After describing this, what humans do and, 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 and questioning what, what is our work all about. He makes some observations which leaves us thinking and perhaps wanting to learn more. He says, I know. That nothing is better for them, for humankind, than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. Most people feel good when they do good. And they feel bad when they do bad. And it's also, and also that every man should eat 
and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I like this verse. And, and I kind of, I, 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 I want to agree with this verse. I agree with this verse. I resonate with it. Huh? Every man and woman should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. If you're blessed with a job and you're blessed with an income, sit down. Enjoy a good meal. Huh? Enjoy the goodness of God. It's a gift of God. And I know that whatever God does, it shall be what? Forever. Here we go again. Whatever God does, it shall be forever. But you and I are not going to be here forever. What's going on? Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. So what God does and his works and, and, and the marvelous things he does, his intention is that we should notice and fear God. Have an awe of this awesome God. Be mesmerized by what God has done. That's what should happen. That's what always happens, but it, that's what should happen. And then he says this, check this out. That which has already been, that which is, has already been. And what is to be, has already been. Make up your mind, man. And God requires an account of what is past. Can you see again how he's linking time, going back and forth in time? That which is, has already been. And what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. So we understand that last phrase I understand. Because I'm going to have to give an account of my life to God. I've got to give an account to God of my life. What is past. But he says, what is, was. What will be, was. You see what he's doing here? He's linking time with eternity. Now listen. As we do in the series, cross-reference, looking at all New and all the New Testament, I want you to keep this in mind. The New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament. Everything you read in the New Testament is not really new. You can go back and find it hidden in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was pointing forward to what was coming. And it is hidden in the New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament. And the New Testament... The Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. There are things you read in the Old Testament. And if you think back, you know, 3,000 years when, when those guys read those things or wrote those things, it didn't make much sense. And then Jesus comes. And then history evolves. And now you look back. And now it makes sense. Why? Because the New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. Recently, we spoke about Isaiah uh, 53 and, and so forth. And th those passages made no sense to the people back then. But once Jesus came, was crucified, was buried, and rose again, all of a sudden, everything made sense. And so just keep that in mind. And it's the same thing over here. Because the Bible does say that God knows the beginning or God knows the end from the beginning. In the New Testament, you've got a book like Revelation. And John has a glimpse of what's going to happen. Because the past, the present, and the future are all present before God. And nothing that happens to you is a surprise to him. I'm 
peanut brains cannot compute that. And that's why he says, you know, man cannot understand. And so what do we need to do? How do we handle this eternity business? Eternity only makes sense when there is eternal life. And to resolve what has been stated in these last verses, you need the revelation of eternal life. Again, some people believe in it, some people don't. It doesn't matter what people believe, because the Bible says so. And what Jesus says is the truth. Whether you believe it or not, what Jesus says is going to happen. What is written in the Bible is going to happen. How do I know? Everything that was supposed to happen has happened already. The prophecies around Jesus, they all came to be. Prophecies around Israel, they happened, they are still happening, they are going to happen. The world we live in today has been prophesied in the Old and the New Testament. And so it doesn't matter to me what people believe. What matters to me is what do I believe? Do I believe the right thing? There are many religions in this world. And you can believe anything you want. But before you believe, check it out. Why do you believe what you believe? Because you grew up with it? Because your mom and your dad, your grandpa, your priest, your whatever said so? Or do you believe because you've done some, some, some research? You've looked at the Bible and other religions and you saw, no, listen, this is what I believe. If you spend time in the Bible and Christianity, you realize that this book, the Bible, is true. It's not a book about history, but it is historically correct. Correct. It's not a book about science, but it is scientifically accurate. It's not a book about geography, but you know, researchers and, and explorers have used the Bible to find geographic locations and information about geographic locations. Over, over, over the centuries, people have mocked and ridiculed the Bible. But the more science evolves, the more it proves the Bible to be right. And many that used to laugh at the Bible aren't laughing anymore. At one stage, Santa says, <laughs> the Bible, ah, come on, talks about so many stars, countless. Of course we know how many stars there are. There are a thousand stars. There was a time in history when scientists said there are a thousand stars. Well, today we know it's not so. Today we know we cannot count them. The more we investigate, the more we find. The Bible is accurate. Therefore, I believe in the God of the Bible. I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I believe in eternal life. Because you see, what happens is you have to go to the New Testament to find the link between eternity and eternal life. Listen to this, John 3.16. Everybody knows. For God so loved the world, he loved you so much, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever includes me and includes you, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life love forever it doesn't mean you're never going to die on this earth but it does mean that your existence doesn't end when your human life ends so what is eternal life you shall have eternal life what is eternal life is it the concept of living forever no jesus described what eternal life is john 17 3 john 17 3 it says and this is eternal life. Jesus speaking. That they may know you. God the Father may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? 
to know God the Father and God the Son. And of course, you know that if you discover that, it's because God the Holy Spirit is working in you. You've allowed the Holy Spirit to bring that revelation to you. Eternal life is to know God. Because if you know God, you will spend this life and eternity in his presence. Eternal life is not just living forever. It's not about length. It's about the quality. Because some people are going to live forever, but not with God. The Bible is very clear. There's a place called heaven and a place called hell. Heaven is the place where God is. Hell is the place where God is not. And the only reason hell is a horrible place is because God is not there. Oh no, pastor, hell is bad because the devil is there. No, 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 no. Hell is bad because God is not there. You go to anywhere on this earth, on this planet, you go anywhere, any, any suburb, any environment, any country, where the rules of God are not obeyed, and I guarantee you, that place is hell on earth. Huh? We read about it in the news. There is poverty, there's destruction, there's corruption, there's abuse, there is killing, there is raping, there is murder. It's horrible because the rules of God are not being obeyed and that is how on earth. Now imagine an eternity in a place where God is not there. God's going to give you your choice. You can choose him and he's going to honor your choice. You can accept him, he's going to honor your choice. Or you can say, I reject you God, he's going to honor your choice. Eternal life is knowing God, is knowing God. And Jesus confirmed this in many scriptures, John uh, 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You see, eternal life is knowing the Lord. You see, so eternal life isn't future Eternal life begins now. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, boom, that's the beginning of eternal life. I believe in God. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. My faith is in Jesus Christ. Therefore, now I have eternal life. And so we must live as people with eternity in our hearts. Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 4, the verse we read this morning. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, you see? Eternity in your heart. The minute you, you, you see that, that in your heart. And when you, when you put your faith in Christ, you get raised up. You go from death to life. It's a spiritual transition that takes place. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. When you put your faith in Christ, you die to the old life. You die to this world and you come alive to God. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Our bodies, our earth suits, they've got a limited lifetime on this earth. Time to be born, time to die. When your time is up, your body goes back to the ground, but your soul and your spirit go back to God. But one day, when Christ returns, he's going to give us a resurrected, renewed body. Not that old body, not that old, sick and frail body. No, a new body so that we can live with him on earth again. The same body Jesus has right now, an eternal body, flesh body, bone body, but not a corruptible body. 
Why? Because we need a body to live in this planet. And if you're coming back to reign with Jesus on this planet, we need a body. We don't want a bunch of ghosts here ruining the planet. So he's going to give us a new body, resurrected body. And so our, our soul and spirit gets given this new body, and then we reign with Christ. We'll appear with him, and we'll appear with him in glory. Now, eternal life affects and molds our present life. The fact you've got eternal life inside of you, it has to affect how you live life here. And that's the problem with many believers, you know, and, and, and with religion and so forth. Religion says, you, you believe in God, and then you must do these four things, and you're going to be okay. You know, and, and do this ritual, and, and, and say this little prayer, and you're fine. And we think that's all there is. I believe in God, I do my prayer, I do that, and, and that's it. No! Eternal life inside you changes your whole life. Changes how you think, how you speak, how you behave, how you dress, how you present yourself, how you speak. And that's what this chapter is about. I'm going to run through it quickly. I'm not going to preach about it. Relax. I'm just going to read. <laughs> so what should our lives look like if we live with eternity in our hearts? Let's go. Colossians 3, 5 to 17. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. We're living a double life. Eternity in our hearts on the earth. So we've got spiritual life and earthly life. Earthly life trying to pull you down. Heavenly life trying to lift you up. And so he says, put to death. You put to death. Too many people come to me and say, Pastor, pray for me. That I won't be tempted with this thing anymore. Pray for me, Pastor. I want, I want to give up this. I want to give up this habit, Lord. Pray for me, Pastor, that God will take it away. No, 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 no. You don't find it in the Bible. The Bible says, you put to death. You put off what is not godly. Is it going to be a struggle? Of course it's going to be a struggle. Jesus said, if your arm offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, rip it out. He wasn't talking about physically cut your arm off. And, okay, remember, it's a figurative thing. But cut your arm off hurts. Cut your eye off is painful. And for you to break away with sin, sometimes can be very painful. The longer you've been in it, the more painful it is. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Greed is idolatry. You're worshiping money more than God. <laughs> or material things. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And we don't want to be under the wrath of God. He says now, you used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived. And as you sit here, many of us may have tampered with some of these things. All of us are fallen people. <laughs> Remember? Huh? We all come short of the glory of God. We have different shorts in our lives. I've got some shorts. You've got some shorts. What are you short of? And so the Bible says, look, you were like that. But now, get rid of it. You used to walk. But now, you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Oh, but pastor, I'm only human. The devil made me do it. Oh, that person, they, 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 they made me so upset that I did this. It's his fault. It's her fault. <clears throat> the Bible says, but now you, 
must also rid yourselves. Understand this. Everything that the Bible tells us to do is because we can do it. You know why you can do it? Because you've got eternity in your heart. Because you've got Jesus in your life, you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Bible says, work out your salvation. Take that anointing that's inside you, the Holy Spirit that's inside of you, and let it flow into your mind, into your soul, until it comes out here and is manifest in your body. Let it renew your mind and let it affect your behavior. That's what living with eternity in your heart is all about. Mm. But now, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. See, it's a work in progress. It's not a sudden thing. It's a continuous thing. I've been working with the Lord for many years, but I'm still being renewed. The, the work is only going to be finished when I see Jesus face to face. Until then, I am a work in progress. And you are a work in progress. Don't ever think that you've arrived. Oh, now I'm a holy man. Now I'm a holy woman. <laughs> no. The day you say, I'm holy, you failed, man. Because that's pride. <laughs> okay. And deceit. So, here in this, in the, in this new life... There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all in all. Back in the first century, people were struggling with these things. Back in the first century, there was racism already. Some people thought they were a better race than others. They pointed figures. There was already class. You know, the system of class. You get your slave, you get the free, and, and some are better than the others. He's saying, guys, stop it. In the kingdom of God, we are united in him. No class, no racism, no one better than the other. We are all a bunch of sinners going to hell if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. Jesus saved us all. We are all in his hands. We must learn to accept one another, love one another, and not do the things of the flesh. Huh? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Do you believe that you're dearly loved by God? He says, clothe yourselves. You see, it's something that you put on. It's a decision you make. It's a determination that you have in your life. And you start doing these things. Put on what? Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone listen forgive as the lord forgave you you have been forgiven why can't we forgive one another and over all these virtues over all these things put on love put on agape the word for love is the greek word agape it's the selfless love, the love that wants the best for the other. Huh? Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Man, we can complain so quickly. We find reasons to complain, man. Be thankful. Got so upset, we got you on Friday morning. And two of our three phases were out. And so we were limited in what we could do in the hall. And it was too late to do anything about it. 
So of course I got very upset. And I'm already thinking, man, it's going to be three days now. You know what happened? There was a storm the previous night. I thought it was a storm. Until we later realized that cables had been stolen. They reported and everything else. And I tried, Lord, contain myself. Be thankful. I had one phase. We still had sound. We could still do some things. Be thankful. And then I realized that on Friday night, Friday night, they started working on these cables. One o'clock, just past one o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, all three phases were working again. It had gone actually off at about three in the morning on the, on the Friday, Friday early in the morning. And so I was very thankful. So yesterday morning when you arrived here, all the phases were working. Everything could function normally. And uh, it got repaired in under 24 hours. Guys, huh? stolen cable repaired under, I was very thankful. But our tendency is to complain. Let's learn to be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever, say whatever. whatever. Say it loud, whatever. whatever. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Listen, if you learn this one thing today, whatever, if you live by doing this, everything you do, do it unto the Lord, it's going to take out a whole bunch of bad stuff out of your life. So the next, next time you want to insult someone, I dare you to insult him in the name of the Lord. Huh? Next time you want to do something immoral, next time you want to, you want to, you want to do substance abuse, say, I'm going to do this in the name of the Lord. Ain't going to happen. That is the life that God wants us to live. With our mind and our hearts and our thoughts connected to heaven. Do your life at work, at home, at church. You see, we tend to come to church and we get all spiritual over here. And then tomorrow at work, we're like the devil again. Trying to you know, push and pull and, and get things away. And we speak like the world and we act like the world. We have to stop this church. We have to live with eternity in our hearts. As people who have eternity in our hearts. I'm going to ask the ashes to please distribute the communion uh, caps now, please. Just distribute, okay, quickly. We're going to take communion now as part of our service. And so we are invited. What I'm, what I'm telling you is this, guys, that the Bible invites us to experience eternal life. In this life, presently, and in the future. Eternity. You can go ahead and start distributing. Go ahead while I'm talking. We can, we can experience eternity now. Eternal life is now. I need one as well, please. Eternal life is now. Thank you. And so I want us to remember this as we, as we depart here. And now we are going to take communion. Now listen to this. Future life. Listen. Future Eternal, eternal life. It begins now, okay? So now we have eternal life. We are connected with God. But what does our future eternal life looks like? Here we go. There are three stages. The first stage is this right now. Everybody who has passed away, who has died as a believer, they are now experiencing the first part of future life, which is heaven. Okay? If you and I die before Jesus returns, then that's going to be your first phase of eternal life. You're going to be in the Lord's presence. You're experiencing eternal life. 
the second, the second phase of eternal life will be then when Christ returns. And, uh, you know, when he returns, you're going to reign with him. So the second phase of eternal life is going to be we're going to reign with Christ on the earth for a thousand years. Again, it speaks about it in the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, we're not going to go there now. Second phase of eternal life, reigning on the earth with Christ for a thousand years. And then comes the end where the new earth and new heaven will be manifest. And that's the third and final final phase, living for eternity with the Lord. That's what your future looks like. You have eternity now and in heaven. And then with Christ on earth for a thousand years. And then new heaven and new earth. And that's going to be exciting, okay? Because God is exciting when he does things. That's that. But now check this out. We are going to have communion now. And the act which you are about to do right now transcends time. Because Jesus said, do this until I come. And the Bible says that when we get caught up and taken to heaven we're going to have one final massive communion service where Jesus himself is going to be there it's not going to be the pastor or priest or a brother or a sister it's going to be Jesus himself officiating this communion service it will be a banquet it won't be just a, a tiny little cup and a little no nah. it's going to be a decent feast but you're going to share the cup with the Lord he said you know when he sat with his disciples, this is the last time I'm doing this with you. Next time I do it, it's going to be my kingdom. And then the Bible reveals that after the rapture, we're going to sit with the Lord and break bread with him. So I invite you to stand this morning. And let us break bread together. And as we do, let's be reminded This for us is a symbol of time and eternity. We are doing this on the earth until we do it with Jesus in heaven. We do it in time until we do it in eternity. But brothers and sisters, while we're doing this, guys, listen, you guys online, those of you listening, listen to me. While we anticipate the day we do it, with him in eternity. Let us live this life with eternity in our hearts and in our minds. Let our lives reveal to others around us that there is eternity in our hearts. Amen? So as we do this today, let's use this communion time not only to remember what Jesus has done, but to remember what he made available to us, eternity now in our hearts. And let's commit to Jesus to live life, revealing that eternity in our hearts. So, Father, we thank you for this bread, for the fruit of the ground. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you gave your body up, that we might be one body together. Thank you that you took upon the cross our sickness and diseases and, and all the pain, Lord. And so I pray for everyone here, everyone online, everyone um, that is listening. Father, I pray healing. I pray restoration. 
And Lord, those struggling with things in their lives, maybe this morning your word has, has touched their hearts and they realize there are, there are actions, there are attitudes, there are words, there are situations, there are relationships, there are things which need to be made right with you. There are things that need to be put off. There are things that need to be put on. Father, I pray for your grace and mercy. Lord Jesus, help each one, Lord God, to live life revealing eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you opened the way to connect us with eternity. Now I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll help us to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Take and eat. Lord, we thank you for the fruit of the vine, reminding us of the blood of Jesus, which was poured for all our sins. Not to cover them, Lord, but to obliterate them. <laughs> to the point that when you look at us today, Lord, you look at us through the lens of Jesus. And you see us as justified, as holy, like we read in your word today, Lord. We are holy. We are chosen by God. We are holy. Hallelujah. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for this, Lord God. And again, we pray that as we are reminded of this truth, Lord. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to live up to this truth. Thank you for your sacrifice for us, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. They can drink of the cup of blessing. I pray that as you leave here this morning, you will ponder on what you've heard today. That you'll understand not just the brevity of life, but the longevity of eternal life. And that the life we live here on this earth we are connected to God. We are connected to eternal life. Allow that to be demonstrated. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here, praising Lord. I pray for everyone joining us online. I pray for everyone listening to this service. Lord, as you have spoken to individuals today, Lord, give them the strength and the determination to carry out what you have instructed each one. Continue speaking to each one of us, Lord, reminding us of what life connected to heavenly things looks like. Help us not to be taken up by the things of this world. Help us, Lord, not to be so concerned with pleasing this world around us. Not to be so concerned about being politically correct, Lord, that we ignore your word. Your instructions, your way of life. Our hearts and our minds belong to you, Lord. Help us to live out that truth right here on earth until we see you face to face. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us as we live lives here on earth with eternity in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed Sunday. See you next week. Amen.